Ladies and gentlemen, I am super excited to have Matt Ducharme with me on the podcast today to talk about his business. So, sir. Greetings. <laughs> um, I usually just jump in right away with kind of what's your employment history? How did you hmm. get to where you're at right now? And then just a description of your company, MGD Builders. So uh, I did kind of the typical hodgepodge coming out of uh, high school, worked in food service for a couple of different jobs. Um, kind of hopped around a little bit for a year or two and then found myself in um, the commercial sign business. <clears throat> and I stayed in that in that field for about six years and learned how to do everything from like self-adhesive vinyl lettering where you put on like point of purchase displays and taxi cabs and stuff like that up to dimensional letters in that you know are illuminated on the signs of uh, on the sides of buildings um, and kind of realized through that experience that I enjoyed working with my hands uh, and when I came out of that I actually uh, was laid off from a from a sign company and had a general contractor pick me up um, after setting, I set wood floors for about two months and then I had a friend that was working for a general call me up and asked me if I was interested in coming to work with them. Uh, tried it out and honestly within the first few weeks of working for that company I kind of realized that it's what I significantly enjoyed doing and felt like it was something that I could do for the rest of my life. Which is really funny to say because the things that I was doing on the front end of that job, I was digging holes really is what I was doing. And as, as I'm digging all day, every day, for some reason that scratched my itch. And uh, I've, I've been doing it ever since. Not digging, but working in, <laughs> in the construction <laughs> trades. Um, so I, I worked for two different general contractors, had about two and a half year relationships with them uh, consecutively. So I was working five or six years under other people uh, and that brought us to uh, the tail end of 2009. Uh, I was laid off again from a general contractor and uh, couldn't find anything that was gonna pay the bills to allow my wife to stay home and continue to care for our kids. So uh, a business was born out of that. So we started in 2010. So <clears throat> let's see, 2021 is year 12 uh, in business for us. Um, I started out, you know, the first job that I did officially for myself was cutting down a tree in somebody's front yard. Um, it was whatever whatever came in on the phone was what we went and did as long as there was income attached to that because uh, we're just trying to feed a family. And then, you know, over the course of, of that process have uh, learned how to run a business, how not to run a business. <laughs> it's been just a really interesting journey of uh, learning that I, I think the, the Lord has brought me through a very specific series of events to land me where I'm at today and kind of have me pointed in a, the trajectory that we're headed now. So what we do now is uh, I'm, a, I'm a general contractor. I carry a residential and small commercial license. Um, we do our, our meat and potatoes tends to be residential rehab, kind of gut remodel spaces. Uh, and we also work in, in commercial areas doing tenant improvements, move-ins, move-outs, things of that nature. We kind of specialize in the things that nobody else wants to do because those are the things that kind of scratch my itch. Uh, <laughs> I've got a very short attention span, so I need it to be complicated and frustrating because that's what I enjoy doing. <laughs> I share that sentiment. If, if it's not frustrating, I am not happy. Yeah. It's <laughs> The frustration keeps my attention. It's what engages me and 
keeps my brain happy. So, so when you started 2010, it's one starting a business, you're going to be slow right mm -hmm. out the gate, and then two, everything with the trade says just recently fallen through the floor. So how did how did that time period go? Just as far as getting work and then also having to encounter the huge learning curve while at the same time like you said you've got a family that you're you have to provide for there's <laughs> there's not a way out of that one right yeah nobody stopped eating in order to alleviate any sort of a burden on my end to provide for sure um it it was it was a very humbling experience because it's not um you don't have the ability to pick and choose it's uh, the opportunities that you have are the opportunities that you have, and you have to be faithful in pursuing those. Um, the 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 work that we were performing was not sexy in any way, shape, or form. It wasn't what I wanted to be doing, but it was what was available. Um, and in a very real way, um, if I did not know how to perform the function of what somebody was asking me to do, I literally had to learn in doing. Um, and kind of hope that there was going to be money left over at the end to call income <laughs> because I, I, I screwed a lot of stuff up. So <laughs> that's the, I guess that would be the short answer is, um, you know, trial and error, a lot of errors involved in that. But um, really, I'm grateful that we were so significantly well provided for during that time. It was, it was difficult, but uh, we were definitely not alone in that process. So gotcha. With uh, when you started your own business, was it something that you decided as far as you didn't want to be, you'd been laid off several times before, you didn't want to be laid off again and said, this is going to be, I want to take control of it? Was it uh, mm -hmm. kind of more of you wanted to be the guy behind the steering wheel or what was that? Honestly, the, the way I look at it is I always wanted to be my own boss. I have uh, strong opinions about the way that I feel like things should be done and I, I want to do them that way. Um, but I'm also an individual who generally takes the, uh, the safest option. I'm not a risk taker. Um, so the, the, honestly, the way that I look at how all of those situations work together was that I had this desire in my heart and God created the opportunity that forced me into pursuing that desire because it was not the safe option, but it was honestly, it was the only option at the time that I could see. So it was... Uh, I, I look at it as, as that was given to me um, because I was too scared to, to branch out in that direction without a push. Did you feel that for a long time, even from like when you were at the sign company, or was that something that kind of developed as you were moving through uh, the sign company, general contractors, all that stuff? Yeah, I think um, I do have a bit of a, well, I've definitely got an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, the, the way that I've heard it, uh, I listened to an interview one time from uh, the gentleman that uh, uh, created the, the uh, clothing outdoor line Patagonia, and he, he talks about in order to be an entrepreneur, you have to be insane. Uh, and I think that qualifies in my case. So <laughs> I, I feel like I was well suited in uh, events orchestr orchestrated them, th themselves in such a way that uh, it came to fruition. Whereas, if if I had other viable employment, I don't I don't think it would have happened. Gotcha. And then you kind of touched on this earlier, but where do you see the line? Because a lot of people will bring up this phrase like, "Oh, fake it till you make it." As far as within a new endeavor, or if they're in a new position at their job and uh, they feel underqualified, where do you think that line ends? 
because mm. I I understand as far as it works for it's worked for a lot of people and in some ways it's but at a certain point it's I think that that does go too far. I think that's a great question and I think honestly uh, I'm I'm kind of in the middle of wrestling with some of that. Um, I've had a lot of great conversations recently and I'm talking to other business owners going, "Hey, what would you do again the same way and what would you never do if you were if you were launching into this again knowing what you know now?" And I think uh, that's a great point. Fake it till you make it. I feel like the heart behind that is don't be afraid to do things because you feel like you're going to fail. Um, because you are going to fail. <laughs> Not every time, but it's those series of failures that help bring about the learning that's necessary for success. Um, so I think I would take that and I would kind of modify it and say don't allow your hesitation about your own level of expertise or lack thereof cause you to stand still. You definitely have to move forward, but as you move forward, you need to make calculated, educated decisions and grapple with risks, um, not in a, in a flippant manner. And I think um, on the front end, a lot of uh, risk-taking has to happen. Um, and there's not opportunities for large safety nets. Like you just have, you literally just have to do it. But as you do it, you need to pay attention to cause and effect and look at the consequences of your actions and what you've put into situations so that you're not faking it for longer than you need to. You're applying your brain to um, what it, the tasks that you're doing and, and learning through the process. So, um, I've talked to a couple of different guys that have very large companies that also talk about getting into jobs that they um, were not ready for, right? I was talking to a guy that has a, a very large electrical co uh, company here locally talking about taking on an $11 million project at, uh, at the airport. Uh, and he goes, you know, looking back on that, we're, we're lucky that we made it out of that uninjured. Um, that was too big of a job for us. And, and that's that's what I'm kind of equating to the faking it category, right? Where you're right, like, yeah, yeah. you know what? Let's let's take this on. Um, I'm involved in a job right now that's a commercial project that's about a $600,000 job that I'm, I'm looking at it. Um, when, I like to say, when I, when I don't make money on a project, I, I gain experience. And let's just say I'm gaining a lot of experience on that job right now, right? So the learning for me is I need to understand where my limits are and be careful not to overextend past. Yep. So I think you, you have to fake it. You have to be willing to step out into unsafe situations. But as you do that, you need to be carefully conscious about what those situations are doing or creating as a result. And that can help you make better measured decisions in the future to where really the faking it part is really just mustering the confidence for action. And then as you make it, there's learning that you're involved in that you're not faking it anymore. You're, you have metrics that you can observe that help you guide your decision process. Yeah. That's something, I, don't know, I feel like when we work together, I feel like my confidence was a thing that was not in a healthy level at all I felt like I was very unconfident in what I was doing so it's I I should have erred on the other side whereas when I stepped over to elevation 
it seems to be the department was different mm -hmm. with the oversight and structure. And then I don't know why, but it seemed like a lot of it just started clicking to where I was willing to step into situations mm -hmm. where it was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'll try it because no one else can is going to give me a hard time about it. I think the key in what you just said is oversight and structure because it also takes an effective leader and a coach uh, to bring those things out of people. Uh, and I think for us inside of our working relationship, I was not uh, ready to be that quality coach. So there's, there's a both and. On the employee side, there's a choosing to step out, but also there's very much a massive responsibility on the end of leadership to effectively coach and also to put people in situations where they can excel and equip them with the things that they need as opposed to being very domineering and micromanaging, which is more of what our relationship smelled like. <laughs> yeah, but to me, it was just the, the feeling that changed with it as mm -hmm. far as it was at a certain point, I started looking back and going, oh my gosh, I wish I had this attitude right. because there were certain things like we that I got into, like, and obviously it wasn't on the same scale, but like there's one case in particular where I almost crushed a guy with a door. Ooh, like, yeah. And, but it was the reason why was it was me and the other guy that we were working with. Uh, I was working with, um, he's one of my best friends, Forrest. Uh, he's built like a brick shit house. <laughs> and so usually it seemed when we were going to take a door apart, we had the conf, like we hadn't found the door mm -hmm. that had stopped us yet. Mm -hmm. So it was in that moment of that was our limitation. And for right. me, it was just even mentally kind of cluing into just like you said, finding the jobs where does my metric what is my metric for we need to we need to pause real quick mm -hmm. so kind of going to as far as i did want to ask what is something that you wish you had known as an employee compared to now being a business owner because it is there is a mental shift that's there as far as you're as the owner you have everything on your back it is your responsibility to go out kill and drag it back and then as the employee, it's obviously you're in the fight with them. But if you walk away, there's still a large difference. Mm -hmm. So and the, the mentality and the attitude that's there. Is there anything that you look at and say, I wish I had applied this as an employee or that you want to impart to your employees? Um, I, I'm going to say... <clears throat> I feel like there's a couple of different dimensions to that question. And I'll, I'll just start by saying that I'm, a, I'm an individual that my pendulum never stops in the middle. Uh, I'm always one way or the other. I, I have a, a difficulty finding uh, even balance. So, and I tend to be an all-in type individual. I'm not, uh, I don't generally stand back. I'm not measured oftentimes, even in situations where being more measured would be uh, beneficial. <laughs> so, uh, given that fact, I, I, I generally, um, I'm very emotionally invested in what I do, uh, and normally it's the entirety of who I am that's invested in that direction. Um, so then my encouragement, so that, that lends a different perspective for me as an employer because I see people as I engage with them in business relationships how, what, what level are you invested in what you're doing right now? Um, I, 
I, I want to be careful about uh, what I say too, just just because. I mean, if you don't know me and, and you put too much weight on on what I'm saying, I don't want to I want I don't want to screw people up. But I I would encourage folks as they in, engage in the workplace that they would find uh, a place a, a job something to do that engages them on a personal emotional level be more invested than just showing up and punching a clock on a daily basis put a piece of you into what it is that you're doing Um, and honestly that's a legacy move on your part too because as you invest on that level you get to see the the beneficial results of that you get to reap the harvest of that particular investment so that doesn't mean that you're going to go out and find a job that you love that you're working for an employer that's amazing sometimes i mean we've all worked for a jerk uh, and we all probably will again Um, but as we're careful about what situations we put ourselves in doing something that engages us on on a level where we have a personal investment in what we're doing. Um, that's what I look for in my employees. I look for full buy-in. Um, and I also look to try to set people up in spaces where they can be the best version of themselves that they can possibly be. So there's, again, there's a both and. There's an empl- you know there's an employer-employee give-take relationship there. But um, I would look for that personal investment. Right. I was talking to Tori about this, um, that it seems that there's a lot of people who don't have a enjoyment for their job. Mm-hmm. And to me, it, it seems like that's such a shame. Yeah. Just as far as to say, you're going to spend so much time doing this activity called work that if you can't find something to where you attach yourself to, to be able to say, this is, you're taking ownership of whatever the task is, even regardless of who the manager is, then that's a shame. And that's that's going to be a long life that is, you're putting in at least a third mm-hmm. of your life just miserably. Yep. And you need to be careful with these things, though, too, because we can also find our identity in work, which is not where we're supposed to find our identity, right? Our, yep. our work should be an outflow of who we are, not what makes us who we are. So... There's a, there's a careful line in uh, personal v- development that has to happen here too, where you go, okay, I am not my work, but because I am who I am, I can invest in my work in this manner and receive a phenomenal benefit from it. Yeah. So as you've grown the business, how has your role changed? Because you started in 2010, you're the you're the one guy cutting down a tree. Oh my gosh, it's changed so much, and I'm I'm so grateful because uh, because growth will drive you insane. Um, yeah, I, I did uh, everything myself and, and with, a, with a helper for probably the first four or five years um, before I started to uh, engage different individuals in full-time employment and went through a number of different folks that were uh, amazing, like super, super helped me, helped me out. Uh, in the moment, uh, but there was also a lot of learning that needed to happen there too. So, um, the so the biggest change for me is as as my as as the business has grown and the numbers have increased and my role has changed. I have to realize now I'm not 
I'm not as much a hammer swinger as I used to be. Um, I'm more full-time sales and um, my main responsibility is to watch over the company uh, and make sure that the jobs that we're taking on are moving us in a direction of health. It's making sure that the uh, employees that I'm responsible for are healthy and well cared for, that their needs are being provided for, that I'm, I'm creating a space for them to work in that's uh, healthy and hopefully positive. Um, the biggest thing that I've had to grapple with because running a one-man show and everything that I've done is so intensely personal it's all got my name on it and it's it's this is <laughs> this is me investing in our city um, learning how to delegate and step away from some of the aspects of that that have been more personal than they ought to be and finding a balance in that um, something that I've I've just been <clears throat> learning about over the last couple of months is um, looking back over the kind of the, the span of my life, I look at, you know, I have a, a family life and I have a work life, right? Which is important. But what I did initially in launching into business is I was all work all the time. And I came home and I tried to run my family the way that I was running my business. And then there was a switch there to where God reoriented my heart towards my family and I realized I was running my business the way that I was running my family and finding that healthy dividing line of uh, what's appropriate for each one of those spaces and how do I live in both spaces effectively uh, was a major shift as well. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's a whole <laughs> lot of words. I just threw it at <laughs> I think it does kind of to spin off of that as well. It's you said that you felt like you found something you were passionate about, like even just when you started digging holes. Mm -hmm. So it's, do you still feel, do you, have you found a passion in what you're doing currently? Absolutely. As far as with the Ooh. <coughs> That's been a major struggle for me because I, I, the reason that I have really enjoyed contracting historically has been the physical nature of my job. I enjoy working with my hands. I enjoy physically creating things. Um, if we were if we were made and uh, and bear the image of our Creator, we're born in the image and likeness of God, God as our Creator. So my job is very creational in uh, in everything that we do. So in ways there, it super scratches my itch because I'm displaying who God is through who He's made me be. Um, I find that to be very, very rewarding. So the, the the shift from working in the field to working in the office was really, really hard. And I don't find office work to be anywhere close to as rewarding at all. It's it's <laughs> it's like you know, I'd rather go to the dentist and get a couple of root canals than sit in front of my computer for a few hours. But it's necessary. So like inside of that space, now I understand, or I'm starting to understand the importance of all of that. I'm seeing how what I do behind the scenes affects everything that happens out in the field. Uh, and my perspective is now changing to engage in the creational aspect of the office side of things, uh, which is good. I'm grateful for that because if God had not changed my mind, I would just be simply gutting it out. Um, so we're moving towards a, a space where I actually can engage in that in a manner that is a lot more constructive and I can, I'm having better success in focusing and channeling my energies in that direction 
because I see uh, perspective has changed and I see the phenomenal importance there and I see I'm, I'm literally watering the seeds that I've planted and watching them grow and the, the reward is fantastic. That's awesome. To kind of spin off of that, uh, I know that we had talked in some personal conversations as far as some of the technology that's being employed in the building process. It's, I'd say my perspective, this is just my perspective, but just with the trades, it's in some ways, it's behind on the technology side just because it isn't technology dependent. So over the years it's been, it is so relational. Mm-hmm. that It's you know someone who can build something for you, you know someone who could remodel something for you, you work it out but on the number side then they get to work how have you guys started to integrate uh, certain systems or even technologies to try and make sure that you are keeping up and trying to stay ahead of the curve uh, in the construction industry you know it's funny because if you'd asked me that same question two months ago I'd have told you like what a terrible time I'm having with this construction software that we're using and how much I hate (laughs) having to force myself to learn it but literally over the last six or eight weeks, my perspective has changed and I'm seeing the phenomenal benefit. So <coughs> for for our industry in particular, you're, you're, you're very right. It's not super high tech. We're still putting together things using, you know, well-established systems, right? We're not, uh, they come out with new products and materials all the time, but but really the, I feel like the industry basics are, are fairly well the same so there's a lot of bells and whistles that are being added inside of it that um, are helping and so one of those spaces that we're engaging in is a is a uh, it's a customer relationship management software uh, called builder trend so we we have the opportunity to have an online platform where all of a client's job information is is placed in one spot. The, the client gets a login, it's the owner login for it. They can they can bring that up. It shows them where their schedule is, where their budget is, any change orders that are coming down the pike. I mean, it tells them what the weather is supposed to be like that day. Um, so it's a, it's a, there's there's a there's messaging. There's two different levels of messaging inside of that. One that's that's kind of like a text app, one that's more like an email app. We can create uh, online lists and punch items, and it literally manages all aspects of the entire project in one central hub, which is which is really really cool. Um, but it's very complex, and it's difficult to learn, and it's new, and I hate it. Uh, until <laughs> until I started really, I, I, I've been I've been forcing myself to use this system for. Uh, well over a year now. We we brought it online in January of 2020, so I'm 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 a year and, and a couple of months in, and now I'm seeing the more I invest into it, the easier my life becomes because we've just now organized all of the stuff that used to just fly around in random chaos all over the place. So it's it's literally condensed down. Uh, and given a, us uh, a well thought out format that we can organize our projects on. So, uh, on the t- and on the technology side, I honestly believe that that's absolutely where the industry is headed. That if companies are not engaging on these platforms now, it's it's optional now, but it's probably going to be a must have inside of the next five years. Um, so we're att- we're attempting to stay ahead of that and and be viable in the, in the industry now. 
there is a lot of exciting tech stuff coming. Um, again, I was I was talking with a, with a friend of mine that's an electrical contractor uh, earlier in the week, and they're coming out with fiber uh, options for all of these uh, structured wiring, the, the low volt cables that are flying around all these buildings to make devices work. Printers, computers, everything that's connected to the internet now has to connect in some sort of an entry point. And it's, it's fun to see a bunch of technology growing and increasing in that direction too because now we have fiber wire options available that are being installed in larger facilities and I'm talking about uh, hotels, airports, uh, places that are handling a phenomenal amount of devices at a time where uh, if we pull in regular Cat6 wires into a building it's going to be obsolete in four or five years just because it cannot handle the capacity that it's coming now we have fiber uh, options that have terabyte capacity, which uh, we're installing technology now that is going to last, like I, it's not going to be obsolete for probably the next 15 or 20 years. It's going to take technology that long to catch up to now some of the capabilities that we're building into structures, which is kind of fun and kind of cool. I'm, I'm far removed from being on the leading edge of any of that stuff, but it's, it's fun to talk about what's coming and some of the possibilities. And as it comes more online, then the price point will become more realistic too. Right. Because it has to, honestly, right now, for what I'm talking about, it has to be a large structure because it, it does carry a significant cost. And you have to have the volume of that expense to offset in order for it to make sense. So That's still hilarious, though. <clears throat> that everyone said, oh, no one's going beyond Cat 5, no one's going beyond Cat 6, and then it's like... Oh, we're way outside of that. Yeah. That... Oh, I love low-volt guys. They're hilarious. <laughs> I remember talking to the cable guy at our house, and he's like, oh, yeah, you're going to be good forever, and I was like... Uh-huh. Yeah, or at sure. least for the next two weeks. Right, yeah. <clears throat> oh, look at the notes. I did want to talk to you about what misconceptions people have of the trades. Um, and then how, how do you approach trying to demonstrate that those are either false or not true in all regards? Mm. Um, I, think, I think culture has in their mind right now that uh, participating in a trade-related job, it should be your last resort. Um, I think uh, education in America is, is big business. Uh, we, so we, we, we send our, our children to public schools and, and they're told that they you know, need to graduate at whatever level and move right on to college. I don't, I don't believe in that personally. Um, I don't believe that working with your hands is, a, is, is something that's less honorable to do than uh, something that would be considered more of a, I don't know, I don't know what the alternative would be, some sort of a tech job, whatever. Um, <clears throat> so for me, the, the, the misconception is that, uh, that trade work is going to be uh, not as rewarding as something else and not going to, uh, it's going to limit your ability to provide as a you know, if you're a head of a household, well, you better get a better job than that, right? Um, I think that's garbage. Um, my, my experience has been much different, and I, I really enjoy sharing with, with folks um, 
that just I touched on before that I feel like there's a very creational aspect to what it is that we do. Um, as a young man, I found a lot of, I guess, a lot of purpose inside of that as I was struggling with trying to figure out like who I was as an individual, what can I contribute? Um, being able to put things together and work with my hands and, and stand back at the end of the day and have something to physically point at and go, that's what I did today. Um, I, I'm, I'm very much an instant gratification kind of individual. So in, in that <laughs> regard, it scratches my itch. Um, I, I think we're going to see a lot we're seeing an increased demand for skilled labor jobs because they're not being filled. Uh, and I think if we continue to move in that trend, then, uh, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's doing me a favor. I'd like to retire well, uh, in the way that our industry is moving. Um, it's, it's, I think it's honestly, it's going to be a prestigious line of work at some point because you're always going to need people that are going to work on structures and repair structures that are failing. Um, and you can't, uh, a lot of those things you can't do from behind a screen using keystrokes. You have to have abilities to go out and do it. I definitely agree on the college side too, because it seems that the question became no longer, what are you going to do after high school? But where are you going to college? Mm -hmm. Everyone had the expectation that it's it's not about the work. It became not about. It became about go sit in an office, get a six figure job after you roll out of college, and it's like it's the indus the the industry at large or just the market at large does not agree with that sentiment. Good luck finding a six figure job to help you pay down your college debt. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> it, which, and I think I agree with you. I think a good amount of people agree with you. And like you said, it's it's a big business. And don't hear me say that it's for everyone. We need all of the functions right. all the time. Yeah. What what I want people to hear me say is that the you know working with your hands in the trades is every bit as an honorable of a vocation yep. as anything else. There's a lot of pride. Um, that, that comes along with uh, the accomplishments that uh, are, are met on a daily basis. It's a, it's a very, very rewarding thing to do. Absolutely. And I forget who said it, but there, it may have been, I was talking with uh, Mike Daniels, and he said that there's a, re in some ways, there's a redemptive quality to the trades. Mm -hmm. As far as you can have someone who, like in as much as there will be criticism for if you're in the trades, you've either gone to jail, you've been on drugs, you are on drugs, or you're poorly educated. <coughs> sometimes one of the four, sometimes all of the four. I qualify so. for all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not on drugs <coughs> currently, but. <laughs> but uh, his point was that the trades is a place that it, it, there is, in some ways, redemption for. You can provide for your family, like you said, as far as. There are some people who will look at if you have a criminal record and they're like, nope, sorry, we're gonna have to go in a different direction. Whereas the trades, it's there is that in certain areas, they have the mentality that, nope, you can you can still work here. Yeah. You can still be a productive part of our system. I honestly view that as a, a positive. It can be a positive. Somebody with a record that's being denied in other categories, that's an opportunity for us to create an opportunity. And inside of that, 
if you if you find the right individual and give them an opportunity that's now a lifelong relationship and that talks right back to employee buy-in yep. you get somebody and you go hey i don't care i don't care what was then show me what you got now yep that's that's my best situation and obviously there are still those situations where it's if you've got someone who is stuck in one of those four categories mm-hmm. then it's it's, there, there still has to be growth with that person because they still have to have they have to contribute to the group as a whole but absolutely yeah, yeah you can't you can't be mired in your funk and expect to exe- succeed w- uh, wildly but you don't have to worry about uh, past sins as much perhaps <laughs> maybe that would be a accurate way of staying it. right and then I know you touched on this a little bit, but where do you see the direction of the trades going with the smaller influx, especially of younger people joining the trades? You, we've got a lot of people who are retiring out mm-hmm. and not a lot of people who are coming in. So, Well, it's um, supply and demand. Uh, if supply is short, uh, drives that, I mean, and the, the, the demand keeps increasing the cost of what we're doing is is going to go up significantly. It is right now. I mean, you're looking at inflation across the board with the cost of goods. But inside of pandemic, like I, I don't even, I, I don't think I even have my brain around what's happening right now because uh, there's a lot of people with um, their schedules have changed, their income has changed, and the trades are going nuts. We can't function fast enough to fulfill all of the needs that are out there. Uh, and if people are, are looking at this current environment that we're in right now and going, yeah, there's no opportunity in the building trades. I don't, I'm gonna disagree with you. Right. Uh, I think we're seeing we're, we're seeing kind of a foreshadowing of, of where this thing is headed as a whole, which is going to be an upward trend. Yeah. What's interesting to me is just like in Arizona itself, you have such an aggressive expansion for new construction as well as I feel like we're I don't know we've probably been there for a while but also just it's the buildings that we do have here are coming to the age where rehab is necessary Mm -hmm. as far as I was I showed a house that was from 1955 yesterday it's there is uh, cast iron plumbing in there Mm -hmm. there is the uh, what is it the steel water pipes the uh, galvanized steel and you're just Mm -hmm. like that will need to be redone. <coughs> we're so we're we're sitting right now. My my property was built in 1970. If you go right on the other side of 59th Avenue, there uh, you're going to be in the 40s and 50s. Um, those houses are in very very poor shape. Um, we have some friends in in a community that lives over on uh, 43rd and um, south of Indian School neighborhood, about the same age, right? And we're talking about everything's everything's cast. Uh, and deteriorating um, I pulled the water line out of my the main water line that runs to my house I pulled it up a year ago Christmas time uh, and the one inch line that was supposed to be running water service to my house had corroded down to have about maybe three-eighths of, <laughs> of of an inch hole right so it had been reduced <laughs> down to about a third of its original intent well uh, we have some friends that live, you know, a couple couple miles down the street, and they're they're like, well, geez, all of a sudden we don't have any water pressure in our house, and I go, hmm, 
either you got a broken pipe somewhere or it's literally just corroded down to where you don't have the you've got pressure but you don't have volume so all of these properties I mean it's 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 the same deal so um, they're either gonna have to like somebody's gonna have to go in and fix it to address the problems or they're gonna have to be pushed over and built again so um, just because of the age and the materials are degrading to the point that they're no longer effective for operating it in their original intent so somebody's got to fix that who is it yep and I know we we had talked about this this was something that stood out to me because I think it was when I first started with you uh, full-time you had mentioned that you saw our job as a reflection of what God did by bringing redemption to certain areas to be able to say with those houses that if it's the corrosion if it's a broken or even if it's just the first house that we were at where I think it was foreclosed on and it was a mess inside that we are going to be able to bring life and make something beautiful for the next family that's right on top of that I know you've mentioned it several times before but what else stands out to you as being very much Christ-centered with your business in particular in the trades and just kind of how you look at your job and especially just the industry inside the trades. Mm. So uh, very much so in the last year or two, my job has become nothing about the buildings that we work on and everything about the people that we work with. Um, because as we're rehabbing buildings, we're also rehabbing relationships and we're rehabbing lives, essentially. Um, and not, you know, in, in subtle ways. But my, my vision and goal for business is that we would literally bring the community with us as we grow. Um, we have such a, such a wealth gap in America that continues to grow. And, you know, all the buzzwords right now are about rebuilding the middle class. And I, uh, as much as I hate uh, buzzwords and repeating things that, I, I don't know, I feel like in a very real way that's exactly what we're doing. Um, we're conducting business on a level that, that I'm, I'm having to I'm having to figure out how to package this in a world that doesn't care about people as much and cares much 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 more about the bottom line numbers on a spreadsheet um, we're creating situations and, and partnering with people that we that we care about that we want to do business with for a long time and we we want to not just care for our clients, but we want to care for our employees and our trade partners and their employees too Because they have very real value that they're bringing to the table These are the people with the skills that are getting the job done without them. The job would not happen um, so as a business owner working in this culture our whole conversation now begins with a potential client about um, uh, well, just very basic. There's three things to consider when you go into a project. Cost, quality, and timeline. We present ourselves as we are the quality timeline people, and there's a bottom line cost associated with that, right? So 
We're wanting to bring effective communication and high quality finishes to your project so that you're mentally well during the construction process, which can be very uh, taxing. Uh, but the reason that we do these things is not so that you can have a fat cat at the top that continues to get fat, but we're, we're submitting to our, our, our clientele that the reason that we're charging at the rate that we do is because we want to care well for the individuals that are doing it, right? Um, so we're not about bottom dollar thinking. We're about caring for you as you care for us. Yep. Um, that's that's the important because we're 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 in a a business where we work on structures, but the structure is never the end user, right? Yeah. We work on that structure so that the humans that interact in that space can be blessed. Yep. So um, in a very real way, uh, we're having conversations with people on a regular basis and saying, hey, this is our price point, and this is this is why we do these things is because people have value, and we should ascribe that value to them. Yep. To me, it's interesting as far as being on the real estate side now. There's so many people who there's a couple of investors that I've talked to recently just because through happenstance and whatever that I, they got a hold of me is kind of weird. Mm -hmm. Anyways, but uh, the conversation with them as far the way that they look at some of the projects with how to flip it mm -hmm. it's like we're we're looking for the criteria is hilarious to me but it's we're looking for the right property where it's just a little cosmetic <clears throat> come in get it done move out we get paid and i under there's a part of me that understands some properties that's all you need some of them they're painted there's a house that i'm showing later today there are bright pink walls on the inside mm -hmm. That just needs paint, and you can move on, <clears throat> because not Come on, man. Let's move in ready. Oh gosh. <clears throat> <laughs> Anyways, um, but and then there's other times where it's like it's not just necessarily you roll in, you spray a little paint at the walls, and you move on with your life. Mm -hmm. There's there is craftsmanship, and there is something deeper that goes into this. Well, and you have to take into account too, like what we were just talking about, the age of the property and the care that would need to go into that in order for it to be effectively passed along to the next individual. The thing that kills me about flip situations is it's all bottom, bottom, bottom line thinking where the dollars have to make sense. Uh, and, and most often I feel like there's zero care given to the individual that's stepping into that situation, making that purchase, right? Yep. You're getting all that good income for yourself, but what are you leaving for them that they don't know about? Um, you know, I, I watch projects sometimes. There was a, there was a house that was flipped uh, that's right across the street from the church that we attend, and I, I watched it while it was happening. One of the things that they did was they painted the shingles on the roof so that it would be the appropriate color scheme for uh, what they were trying to do at the property as opposed to uh, replacing a roof that needed to be replaced. And two months later, you start to see the paint wearing off of the roof because you know granulated shingles were not intended to be painted and it's just this completely hokey lipstick job that then leaves a mess for the person coming after it that six months or a year later goes, Oh, this this structure is nothing what I thought it was. Yep. Somebody put a whole lot of lipstick on it, and it's rained a few times since. Now that's deteriorating, and I'm left with this total mess. So I I maxed out what I was able to purchase because I thought that this home was amazing, and now I'm finding out that somebody gave me a total piece of garbage 
that had fancy wrapping paper on it and that's the part that kills me yep i i share that sentiment as well just because i love the trades and i love everything that i learned in the trades one of the things that it's working with you there is always an excellent standard that we walked around with and then when i was at elevation it's we worked with millionaires and billionaires so if you didn't show up and provide a job that was done well, then someone was up your rear about the quality or whatever it was. And then it's so many people though want to pass off their work as being the same as that excellent standard just because it looks the same. Yeah. Even in the windows and doors industry, there were, there were certain things where you could buy certain windows and doors that looked Oh, it looks just like my neighbors. Yep. Why doesn't it work like my neighbors? Well, it's because it's the knockoff. Exactly. And to me, I feel like there's an education gap as well, just as far as within the trades to say, hey, here's here is why our work is worth X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think um, you know this conversation coming full circle to where we started. If you are just beginning something and you want to succeed, you have to put that level of effort into your startup just as much, you know, just as much then when you're working potentially with the clients that you're not trying to go long term with, you have to ascribe value in those spaces at the same level that you do inside of the spaces that you're trying to attain. Yep. I wanted to pivot a little bit and then uh, I did want to ask you about people who own their own businesses, the health that is involved with it. Just because uh, being an entrepreneur, being a business owner is this huge buzzword and thing to ascribe to because they make millions and millions of dollars apparently according to (laughs) pop culture. Waiting for mine. But a lot of times people don't see the amount of effort that goes in behind the scenes and then because of the amount of effort that goes in sometimes there are very physical consequences to that mm-hmm. um, I wanted to ask you just as far as in your personal experience what have you seen and then also just have you seen that similar things in uh, business owners around you as well mm. so and you're talking about physical health in particular Yeah, physical, but I'd say even mental as well, because I think there's a side I was talking to when I talked to Tori as far as I think there's certain things at the beginning in a business that will shape how the person does, how the person conducts themselves for the rest of time, because it's like almost a scarring. Mm. So and I think in some ways it's going back to like you said, it's you started in 2010, you've got it's you need to provide for your family. There is a certain feeling where your back is against the wall. And I think for some people, it's it's situations like that or other things where someone tries to hurt your business in a way, or if they relaxed and something happened, it's that mentally just scarred, like it sticks with them to say, I will never allow this to happen again. Mm. And it's sometimes conscious, sometimes unconscious. So it's the physical, but also mental side to say, that's kind of where the question lies. So I guess I would just, uh, I, I would start by saying I would never, ever want to do business in America outside of a relationship with Jesus um, because you can kill yourself in a hurry. Um, I, 
so for me the the past 12 months of my life has probably been the hardest season of my entire life hands down uh, a lot of that has been stress related and physical health related i've been uh, i've had adrenal fatigue since last june which uh, it just means like last June I quit sleeping <laughs> I didn't sleep for three weeks I'm not on drugs it's it, it was uh, stress and body chemistry that was brought about by stress as well and honestly I think that it's it was God's kindness to allow that to happen because what it brought about was the scarring that you just referred to that has changed utterly the way that I do business because the things that were um, I was sitting with on a mental level last year have now descended down to a heart level and I don't have to think about uh, how I interact with people or conduct myself in business because right now it's it's just an overflow uh, of where my heart is at and I will protect um, what I hold important above everything else. I'm, I'm not I'm not a complicated individual. I have two desires on a daily basis. I'd like to wake up with my wife and I'd like to have dinner with my family. And everything that I do in business right now has to do with achieving those two goals. Uh, because I know I, what I want to do now that guides entirely the way that I do business. Uh, the reason that I say I wouldn't I wouldn't want to participate in business in this culture outside of Jesus is because our culture has the idea that we can control and affect things at a level that uh, I think is foolish. Um, and I think starting out in business, I absolutely thought that I could control and affect and and do things potentially that were outside of my control. I think um, some of that's good and just being driven. Some of that's foolish in not understanding um, that God loves us and has our best interests in mind, that we don't have to fight for ourselves, that God fights for us. Um, it's it's funny because uh, I mean, you, you, you talk to friends and, and people make comments sometime about like, oh, how, like, you, you know, you got it made. You're, you're your own boss, blah, blah, whatever. And I'm just like, oh, like you don't, you don't understand the stress and the effort that comes along with that. Um, not that it's special or unique to me, but uh, to be, to, to be an entrepreneur is, uh, uh, you've definitely got to be insane. Um, <clears throat> so I just talked myself into a circle and I don't remember where I was headed with that. <laughs> On the health side of things. So, I'm aware of a handful of contractors over time, a couple of guys that have committed suicide after projects that didn't go well. Um, my, I'm, I'm aware of another guy who, who happens to be a competitor of mine that's in very, very poor, poor health. Um, I think our desire to control and affect is way off the deep end sometimes, and we create a lot of mental, emotional, physical problems for ourselves, just trying to affect spaces that we literally cannot because it's outside of our ability. Um, so to that end, recognizing my own personal limitations and living inside of them is what is currently bringing, leading me back on a path to good health. And I, I would say, so for adrenal, adrenal fatigue, which was, has been my 
my situation uh, for a little bit now, the the solution is physical and mental because it's a it's it's often brought on by stress. I have to manage have to learn how to manage my stress and also take good care of my physical body at the same time. And it's funny because it's been really, really difficult, but it's also been a significant blessing because God has taken me through this process literally for the sake of teaching me how to care for myself. Um, the other thing too, just about self-care is very, very important because as we engage with clients and homeowners that want from us and very much our function uh, is to satisfy their needs, right? It would lend itself very easily for us to be uh, people pleasers. I mean, because on a, on a very basic level, we need to in order to be successful at our jobs. Um, I think a lot of the mental, emotional, physical unhealth comes from trying to operate in spaces that have taken it too far, where you're people pleasing at a level that is not healthy and you just have to really understand what your limitations are um, as a young man I thought I was Superman <laughs> and I uh, I'm over it <laughs> uh, that's awesome so with that perspective what do you see as your trajectory that you want to take MGD builders for the next 10 years right now we are in the middle of um it's all about the best. <laughs> I, I drive myself crazy because I don't believe in settling for mediocrity. Um, I think I think God has amazing things in mind for us. Um, a lot of those things that God has in mind are difficult because this the world is soaked in sin, and there's no avoiding that. But it makes everything work right uh, or difficult, I should say. Um, I believe absolutely in leaning into the greater con consequence because that seems to be what yields the greatest gain on the backside. Um, so with that in mind, we're, we are, we're functioning with the long game in mind. We know um, the, just the period of time between 2019 and now, we now, we now know who our customer is. We now know what we excel at and what we're willing to do and what, what we're not willing to do. So we've, we're literally building a fence around the yard that we are playing in and putting well-defined terms on, on, on what we do and how we go about it. Um, we're very much, and I don't mean to sound this to sound arrogant in saying, but we're the expert into the, in the situations that we walk into. Uh, people are hiring us for our ex experience and expertise, so we run our program uh, and, and don't want to be derailed by customers who have their own ideas or, or want it done a different way. That's great. I understand that we have a departure in uh, expectations here, so let's not do business together because that's going to frustrate both of us, right? Let's not right. try to force a fit where one is not appropriate. So in a very real way, we know who our clients are and we're pursuing them. Uh, we know what our company culture needs to be. We know um, the purpose and direction that God has put us in this city for and are able to now pursue that with passion. And as we do that, we're seeing God open doors all over the place. Like, oh, okay, if this is what you want me to do and I decide to go do it, 
in a very real way, God is blessing that. Um, so the, the tangibles right now are we're, we are um, we're making a concentrated effort to grow, um, but we're growing in the fashion that we feel is healthy for us. So um, we don't just do uh, we just don't just hire a man off of the street anymore. I've got a recruiting service that hires talent for us, which is crazy. I've never done it before, and it's also very expensive. But it's in line with with the trajectory of where we're going. And all of those details are being provided for along the way. So I, I can't, mm, uh, being over a decade into this endeavor and feeling like I've spent that entire decade smashing my face on a brick wall and being met with, with uh, just frustrating like lack of results for the energy that I'm putting in specific directions. I feel like God has now recalibrated that and helped me to understand uh, where my focus needs to be. And as I pursue that focus, doors are opening and God is going to be in control of the level of growth that we do at what, because he's literally bringing people. He's bringing jobs. He's bringing talent. Uh, he's put me in a position where uh, he's asked me to oversee and delegate and the more I surrender to his leading and do that out of the uh, out of uh, a place where I am following and not trying to enact and force and do for myself um, now now we're seeing success in those spaces and God is blessing those things so uh, you asked me about the next 10 years it's interesting because I would not have thought about uh 2031, 2033, uh, a couple of months ago, and now I am. <laughs> I'm having conversations and, and seeing that. So the whole idea is, okay, we have a very effective, well thought out method or path that we can take from where we are now to where we're going. And as we see God unfolding that path, we're participating in it and pursuing the opportunities that he's bringing us and enjoying the fruit of that obedience as he blesses us. That's awesome. It doesn't mean it's not work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and I, I, you know, and, and hear me too, like inside of all of these spaces, like uh, I had an employee that left very badly a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm going to attribute that to uh, the, the majority of the problems were uh, on his side. He did not want to talk about what needed to be talked about in order to get resolution to move forward. Um, but even inside of that space, like this, this individual left and tried to, you know, start fights with me over emails and then called the city on a bunch of jobs and tried to literally attack my business. Um, we're bulletproof. <laughs> in ways uh, because God is directing our activities and inside of that I look back and could refute everything that he tried to throw at me was ridiculous because I had been consistent in lead, in following where God was asking me to go and making sure inside of my character I was engaging in the things that I needed to engage in so when he started throwing a bunch of craziness at me he looked like a complete lunatic because he was by himself in that space. So, um, I don't know. There's there's this very, um, I think, unique protection that is given as well as we 
I don't know, pursue moving in this direction. Like I don't, I don't think I have enough words to like appropriately paint the picture of like the intense beauty of what is going on. That's awesome. It's, I feel like that's when you know something is, when it becomes emotional. Like it, it's that the words aren't there, it becomes emotional. You can feel it, it's tangible in that you can feel it, but it's not something that is, it's not something you can necessarily point to. Mm-hmm. And the tricky side of that is that I'm really having to learn, as I talked about living in a business environment and a family environment, and as I realized I was running my business the way that I run my family, yes, there's an emotional aspect to that, but your that emotional aspect has to be measured. You can't allow that to drive your business because yep. it's going to be very off-putting yep. to everybody else that you're running around with in business circles. If you go over the line, and I've done it a couple of times and gotten really negative feedback, like, whoa, dude, chill out. And I'm like, <laughs> sorry, I'm really passionate about this, but... You have to also understand the environment that you're working on and, and, and measure your responses to be in line with what's appropriate for the situation. But yes, um, if you're going to do business, you need to do business at a heart level. Yep. That's my feeling. To kind of bring this uh, to an end, I've got five quick questions for you. Oh boy. Okay. What's been the most impactful thing that you've learned? <sighs> Uh, ooh, I have none of the answers. What's your favorite movie? Uh, Be Cool. Who's in it? Bro. Uh, <laughs> the Rock. Uh, Cedric the Entertainer. Uh, dude, just... Okay, so... <laughs> Be Cool is this... Is, 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 and this is, this is way before your time. Uh, Real quick, to give context, when I worked with Matt... I would work with him and then someone who was also basically old enough to be my dad. The thing that happened for almost the entire four years that I was there was people would quote movies. I would stand there with just this look <laughs> on my face like, I'm glad you guys are having fun. Yeah. And they would look at me like, oh, you've never heard of this movie yeah. for four years. That is, that's what happened. Uh, so Be Cool is the sequel to Get Shorty. Uh, I'd recommend them both. Watch Get Shorty so that you understand Be Cool, and then just, I mean, I watch Be Cool once or twice a year, every year, because <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, uh, gotcha. What's your first character strength that comes to mind? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I have no answer to that question. Uh, uh my, I, I, okay. The, so... I don't know if it's a character strength, but the the basis for everything is just an underlying relationship with Jesus. Like I don't, I can't it, when I function out of myself, it's garbage. Sounds like humility. Yeah, but you, you can't say humility is my character strength because that's. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I'm in process, bro. Uh, what's the worst kind of meat to barbecue? Um, the most di I would say the most difficult would be like a uh, pork because it cooks so fast and gets tough but like yeah I'll, I'll just go with that alright pork that's done wrong because I do love pork 
<laughs> pork shoulder, mm. ribs. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Where can people contact you or follow what you guys are doing? Ooh, here we go. So we actually have a presence on social media now, and I cannot boast on any of that. It's all Jasmine Robinson, our office manager. She is amazing. So you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I've never seen our Instagram page because I'm an old guy and I just use Facebook. Uh, we also have a website, www.mgdbuildersaz.com. Builders is plural. Um, I would encourage you to visit our website if you're interested in knowing who we are. If you go to our website, you will see a number of value statements. And if you read through those value statements, you will understand what it is that makes us tick as a company. If you contact me and you're a new client interested in doing business, the first thing, one of the first things besides introducing ourselves, I am going to point you towards those value statements because the beginning of any relationship that we have starts with establishing whether or not our trajectory is headed in the same direction or not. And we do that using the value statements. Those value statements are what talk about the quality of work that we do, the, the way that we do that work to achieve that quality, and the most important thing is the people that we are participating with who are the ones that bring all of that quality to the table on a very base level. And I'll just follow that up with being a part of your company for four years. I know that that is genuine. So many people want to throw those kind of value statements in a web page or just as this is what we stand for. And you know it's BS, but I know for you and for the way that you treat your company that those are absolutely true. I appreciate that. You know, it's fun, I had an opportunity to uh, to tour a facility for a very, very high-end, uh, I would describe this as resort-style um, uh, senior living. There's a place in North Scottsdale that uh, it's literally like the highest-end hotel that you would want to be in that is uh, a retirement community for uh, folks that are that are headed in that direction. I don't know what that means. Is it on the north side of the 101? Uh, it's y yes, it's up like Scottsdale Road and Williams, uh, okay. which is a few miles north. Yeah, may have been there. But y I toured their facility, and I, as I was waiting for the gentleman that I had an appointment with, I took the opportunity to read the plaque that they had on the wall that talked about. Um, what leadership at that company, what level they were being called to. And it was fascinating because I read that and I was like, yes, 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 yes. And then as I interacted with this individual and got the tour of the property and got an idea of his needs and what we, we could potentially be doing together, I, under I saw the values that were written on that piece of paper. I heard them from him as he was presenting to me. I saw them in action around the community. Those are the ooh, those are the things that really, really scratch my itch where I'm like, yes. And when I talk about trajectory, I'm like, I, I'm pursuing a business relationship with them right now um, that if I can get in, if our, if our numbers work, <laughs> then uh, I see myself being in that situation for a very, very long time because if your trajectories line up and you're working in the same, I mean, communication and your relationship is going to be natural. Um, and to that end too, kind of along that same vein, 
we're trying to we're trying to create customers for life. It's not a one-off. We don't want to just come over and rehab a space in your house and act like we never met before. I want to develop a relationship over 10 or 15 years where we care for all of your needs in a way that's benefiting for both of us uh, and, and do things that are life on life, not money to bank account. Yep. I want to say thank you. Um, one of the things I did want to say publicly as well is I believe that you're probably one of the people who has shaped my adult life the most, and I'm very grateful for that. Wow. In the four years that we worked together, um, the way I watched you handle your business, and then as well as just the way that I got to see you and your family life, um, you're a person that I admire considerably, and so I, I genuinely thank you. I know that there are certain aspects that in the way that I handle myself now are a direct result of you slapping me upside the head at certain (laughs) times. Um, And I am genuinely grateful. So thank you so much. Well, I appreciate that. You were with me through uh, a time in my life that, I mean, I look back and I'm like, whoa, I can't believe I was doing that. So (laughs) uh, it's it's very helpful for you. I mean, very kind words for sure. and, And just a great encouragement of uh, just seeing God use us even inside of spaces that we understand like how significant we still need to grow, right? Yep. And inside of our own brokenness, it's beautiful that God can use uh, whatever we're doing to affect somebody else for the better. So that's awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much for listening. If you liked the episode, please subscribe, share it with a friend. And until next time, I hope your hammer stays accurate, your Wi-Fi fast, and your work blessed. See you, everybody.